Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. My assignment is still underway. We've been talking about being filled to the full, and we're not done. So we will continue tonight on that. So let's go to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. And let's um, find the character of our Father in His Word. Philippians 4.19 is a familiar scripture, but I want you to turn to it regardless of the fact that you may be able to quote it um, without looking at it because uh, I want you to put it in your eyes. The Bible says, attend to my words. Don't let them depart from in front of your eyes. Incline your ear to hear them. So when you put it in your eyes, it imprints in your heart. Philippians 4.19 says, My God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. My God, and we found there's a divine order in this verse. God is first. He comes before need. And even his supply comes before our need. So we never go to God on the basis of our need. We go to God on the basis of who He is in our life, the relationship we have with Him, and the fact that He desires to be the source of our supply. He is our provider. God shall supply all your need. And so need comes last in line. Amen? Amen. And when we are recognizing this, we know this is in the light of the sowing that had been done by the, by the Philippian church into the life of and the ministry of the Apostle Paul. So they had seed in the ground and that partnership provoked a response of the blessing and he is releasing faith into their lives that my God shall supply all your need because you've been a supply into this ministry. You've opened up your life for a supply of God to come back into your life. But we're looking at this verse for the purpose of recognizing the character of God, recognizing His desire to be a supply in our life. And we've looked at this when it says, shall supply, the Amplified says, fill to the full. My God will liberally supply or fill to the full. The Wiest, Kenneth E. Wiest translation says, God will satisfy to the full. God will satisfy. So not only is God supplying, but He is satisfying to the full. He is filling to the full, uh, we've looked at this word even in more depth and we've seen that it, in definition, includes the word to cram full. 
And we've decided it would be great if the potato chip company would get that revelation, right? They don't have it. And so God crams it to the full. And that's where we see in Luke uh, 6, 38, good measure, press down and no room for air, right? Press it all down. We want to get as much supply in that container as that container can hold. So God fills to the full. When he meets a need, he meets a need to the full, to his measure of full, to what he, what he defines as being full. And then he fills it to the full, satisfying that need because he is the source of our supply. When we see the phrase, according to his riches and glory, that word refers to uh, mean according to one's own private riches. In other words, God's not going into the general fund of the kingdom to supply our need. He's reaching in his own pocket and he is saying, I'm your supply. I'm your supply. I am your provider. Hallelujah. According to his riches, according to his own private funds. Hallelujah. So this is God's nature because by father, he is our provider. Let's look at John chapter 10. And let's, let's look a little bit closer at this measure that we're talking about measuring by. What, when God supplies, when he says it's full, is it full to what we define as full? Or does God have a different definition of full? John 10 and verse 10, Jesus is uh, describing his method of operation versus the method of operation of the enemy. In, in this verse, he says, The thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. That they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. So he wants us to have it, and he wants us to have this Zoe God kind of life in an abundant measure, not a just enough measure, not a barely week-to-week measure, but he wants us to have an abundant measure of this God kind of life, abundantly. The uh, amplified of this verse says, uh, I came that they might have and enjoy life. That's a lesson a lot of believers need to learn, isn't it? Have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. Till it overflows. So when God says that it's full, you might be saying that it overflows. Did David David know God to the point that God called him a man after my own heart? He knew something about God that enabled him to bring the Ark of the Covenant into a place where it wasn't behind the veil, but it was out in the open and they were 24 hours a day worshiping the Ark of of God. He had a heart to worship God. And he described something that we can see, we can learn from his description about God. He said, he makes my cup run over. He runs it over. Now, wouldn't God know when it was full? But God's definition of full 
And David's definition of full had two different perceptions. God says it's not full till you've got more than you can take. Till you've got more than you can hold. Why? Because the blessing is not in its full operation till you become a blessing. If you're not a blessing yet, the blessing's not done with you. The blessing wants to work in your life to the point that you become a blessing and an, and an expression of the supply of God in your life. That God can, can just give you an indication and you respond with generosity. I remember uh, when Pastor Nancy Dufresne, she, she tells about when her husband's plane went down that... Uh, that was on that that she had gone into the office on that Friday after the the that had occurred in their their life and their ministry, and they explained to her the financial situation that she was in, uh, where the ministry was at that time, and she said on Monday morning we got a phone call from the office that said someone overnighted a hundred thousand dollars. So they heard automatically, the moment they heard about what happened in that ministry, what that, the tragedy that happened, they responded with generosity and they, they said, I just felt prompted of the Lord to send this. Yeah. Now, I want to be that person that can not only recognize that prompting, but have that to give because she said it turned their ministry their their staff was had not been paid the past paycheck and there wasn't enough money in the account to pay the staff at that paycheck and it did such a turn in their ministry financially that they have continued to prosper from that point and never been back at that situation again amen Amen? but I want to be the blessing Not just a person receiving of that blessing, but I want to be someone that God can just move. It it was just, it seemed good. I felt prompted of the Lord. Lord, He didn't have to pray about it. Didn't have to fast for two or three days to figure out if this is the will of God or not. He just felt that nudge of the Holy Spirit, that compassion, and responded right away and overnighted it. Because for it to have gotten there on Monday morning, it had to have been sent immediately following news of what had happened in their ministry. Amen? So the blessing, we want to recognize the, the, the way the blessing operates, the purpose of the blessing, and we want to cooperate with God so that we can receive of this fullness so that we can have the overflow to, overflow to be a blessing in the lives of others. Yeah. Hallelujah. So he says, fill to the full till it overflows. To the full until it overflows. So overflow is what God is aiming at. Yeah. Overflow is what God is working for. Can I give you just a few uh, uh, bullets for your, your um, faith gun? Yeah. Psalm 115 and uh, 12 through 14 speaks of the blessing at work in our life. Psalm 115, it's a familiar scripture again, but please turn with me and put your eyes on it. Let it imprint your spirit. It says in verse 12, the Lord has been mindful of us. He will bless us 
He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. And for me, this represents he'll bless me personally and he'll bless my ministry. Uh, He will bless them that fear the Lord both small and great. The Lord shall... Now he's talking about the blessing, but in the blessing is increase. The blessing is never going to bring a less than life for you. It's never going to subtract from your life. When you enter into God's blessing, this is what's going to happen. The Lord shall increase you more and more. This word in the original language means to exceed or proceed further. God's going to exceed you. God's going to exceed you. Where you are today, God wants to cause it to exceed the status or the point or the level of supply that you're operating in today. To exceed or proceed further to make greater. To make greater. Uh, One translation says, the Lord will give you continual prosperity. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Why? Because that's what the blessing is going to do. It's going to increase you because for you to be a blessing, you're going to have to have a supply. You can't be a blessing if you can't supply in your own life. For you to be able to bless others with the supply of God, you've got to receive the supply of God. And the blessing is the method through which God brings supply into our life. The uh, Passion Translation says, God himself will fill you with more. Blessings upon blessings will be heaped upon you and upon your children from the maker of heaven and earth. Heaped upon you. The Jubilee Bible says the Lord shall increase his blessing upon you more and more. The Geneva Bible says the Lord will increase his graces towards you. The Lord will increase his graces towards you. Even toward you and toward your children. So the blessing is working in our life to bring us into the increase that is built into the blessing. The life that is full till it overflows is the blessed life. The blessing is what produces the life that is full till it overflows. Jesus came to redeem us from to redeem us and disconnect us from the curse so that the blessing of Abraham might come on us Galatians 3:14. The blessing of Abraham coming on us is the inheritance for the believer. It's my inheritance. This is what I have inherited the blessing promise. It said, because God could swear by no greater, he swore by himself saying, blessing I will bless you and multiplying I will multiply you. I'm quoting from Hebrews chapter 6. That was the words that we inherited. It says that we need to be uh, inheriting these with a faith and a patience and not to be slothful about it. Don't be slothful about inheriting this. Don't don't delay. Don't make it something that is, oh, well, you know, if God just blesses my four and no more. That's not the blessing. That's not the blessing because you can't be a blessing. The blessing won't work in an ungenerous heart. And I've I've said it before, but I'll say it again. That's the safety mechanism on the blessing. You know, faith is such a powerful tool that God put a safety on it. 
It's such a powerful weapon. God put a safety on it. It works by love. And, and without love, faith's not going to work. It's just unplugged, right? Well, the blessing has a safety on it. And the generous heart, the having the right motive that I want to be a blessing puts us in place for it to operate. But if we want to be hoarders of the blessing, it's not going to work. Why? Because it'll stop the process. The blessing process requires that giving and the receiving, that sowing and the reaping. Without that process, we're going to stop up the flow. We're going to stop the process and it won't be able to bring the multiplication. The blessing is not a one-time event. It is a lifelong force operative in the life of the believer. So as we see here that God desires for there to be an increase and, and an increase by his definition, according to his riches, according to his riches, not, not according to the size of your need. God does not supply need based on the size of your need. He supplies need based on the size of his riches. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because this is based on his measurements and not our measurements. His definition of more is different than our definition of more. His definition is to the full till it overflows. Till it overflows. Till you become a blessing. And that's what he said in what we just read in Malachi over the offering. He said, I'll pour you out a blessing that there's not room enough to receive it all. Because God never meant for you to contain it all. It's not designed for containment. It's not designed for containment. It's designed for distribution. And the more you distribute it, guess what happens? The more it gets multiplied, pressed down, shaken together and running over and comes back into your life. So the more you operate it, the more you operate it. The more you act on it, the more you receive of it. The more that you give, the more that you receive. The more that you work in the blessing, the more the blessing works in you. So we, we have the, the because, and I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Genesis chapter 1, God released the blessing. He spoke the words of the blessing. He blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Have dominion, subdue the earth. And then it, he wasn't stopped. He didn't stop it. Verse 28 was not the fullness of the blessing. 29 was still the blessing. You know what he said in 29? I give you seed. That's part of the blessing. There are no monkeys with a, a garden in the jungle. Mm -mm. They don't have the power of the seed. They don't have the authority of the seed. There's no rhinoceros saying this is my patch of cabbage and don't you come in my patch of cabbage. No, they don't have the authority of the seed. Only those of us in the blessing have the authority of the seed to work the seed in the fullness of its impact. Yeah. Amen? Amen? God gave us seed time and harvest. Yeah. And he said, as long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest is in effect. It will work for you. Amen. So it's in operation today, and it's part of the blessing. Amen. So I, I, wanna, I want to 
give a little bit more of an understanding of the blessing. Go with me to 2 Peter 1, and let's look at verses 3 and 4. 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. Thank you, Father, for the blessing and for your plan. God is so serious about the blessing that every person he has ever covenanted with, he included the blessing in the covenant he made with them. Every interaction that God has had with man in a covenantal way has included from his side the blessing. And the entirety of our salvation... Not God didn't just save us to forgive us of sin. He saved us to bring us back into this fullness. So 1 Peter, or 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3 says, According as His divine power has given, has given is past tense. So this is not something we're waiting for Him to give. We put our faith in agreement with this and we out of our mouth declare, this is what I have because God has already given it to me. He has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Has given. So there is all for everything you need in your life. Every car repair, every maintenance on your house. There's a supply in the spirit because God has given you all things that pertain to life. It's in your account. You may not see it in the natural because it's not in a visible account. He has given you all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of Him, who is Him, Christ Jesus, through the knowledge of Him that has called you to glory and virtue. Now you do know the first mention of glory is wealth in the Bible. The first mention, is the law of first mention sets the standard by which we interpret that word throughout the Bible and the first mention of glory is referring to wealth. Selah, pause and think on that. It says, through the knowledge of Him who has called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. So through the knowledge and these great and precious promises, that's how I bring what God has given to me into manifestation. They already belong to us in our account. They already belong to us by inheritance. We're not trying to get God to give them to us. We are receiving from Him what He has provided for us. And so He has given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. They are given to us through the knowledge that they are ours and through the promise. We receive them through that promise that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So all things that pertain unto life are now ours and that's how we access them. Ephesians 1 and verse 3. Ephesians 1 and verse 3. 
Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has, has, past tense again, has blessed us. So God has given us all things that pertain to life. There's not anything in your, any need in your life that can come up that's not available in your provision account. And then it says, He has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places or in heavenly things, my center column reference says, in Christ. Does anybody live in Christ? Have you been in Christed? Are you in Christ? If any man be in Christ, old things are passed away. All things are created new. We are placed in Christ when we receive Him as Lord and Savior. And it says, in Christ, God has blessed us with all spiritual blessings. All spiritual blessings. So there's not a spiritual blessing that you've got to talk God into giving you. That you've got to convince Him to give you. You have the fullness of the blessing. Remember the scripture we've quoted so many times. Look at it in Romans 15, 29. Romans 15, 29. Hallelujah. These are all New Testament. A lot of times we have to go back to the Old Testament to see the operation of the, the um, blessing. But I want you to see that these scriptures are identifying that they already belong to us. The blessing is already ours. 29 of Romans 15 says, I am sure that when I come unto you, I shall come in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. The fullness. The fullness of the blessing. So that tells me we could be operating at different measure of the blessing. We can be operating at, at half level of the blessing. We could be operating at quarter size blessing. But God wants us to keep working it, to stay with it, to become developed in it, to build our faith in the blessing so that we can say like the Apostle Paul said, I am sure when I come to you, I will come in the fullness. The fullness. The fullness of the blessing. That word fullness in this verse means filled to the brim so that nothing is lacking. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm coming in the fullness of the blessing. So we have been given all spiritual blessings. We have been blessed with all spiritual blessings. Now, when I first heard that, I put that, away. I put that off in the distance. I thought, well, those are spiritual blessings. And I disconnected from them because I thought, what I need right now are some material blessings. I need some, I need some blessing in my pantry. And I need yeah. some blessing in my gas tank. And I need yeah. some blessing in my pocket. I need some blessing to get some groceries in this house, you know. Yeah. And I thought, spiritual blessings aren't helping me right now. They're not bringing any, any change to my situation. But actually... Because I've already been given and blessed with all of these spiritual blessings, I just need to learn how to bring what's in the spiritual account into manifestation in the natural. And that's where believing with the heart and confessing with the mouth is applied. Because it belongs to me, but it has to be voice activated. It has to be faith activated. I have to believe it first. Remember it said through the knowledge. Through the knowledge of Him. If I don't know, if I don't have that knowledge, amen, 
So that operation of my faith is taking what is in my supply and bringing into manifestation in my life. Amen. So the fact that we have it doesn't need to be have already blessed with spiritual blessings. Don't put that off to heaven. Don't put that off to to after this age is over or after you exit the earth. No, the spiritual blessings are in the spiritual realm because that's the parent realm. Everything begins in the spirit. Your salvation, your, your new birth was in the spirit realm. But when you believed in your heart and confessed with your mouth, you brought it into manifestation in your life. And the more you've walked with God and fed your spirit, the more spiritual strength you have attained and maturity and you've grown and you have become skilled in some spiritual things that were all foreign to you before. And the same is true about the blessing. And the more that we grow in our knowledge of the blessing, we understand this blessing is working for me now. This isn't something I'm going to utilize in heaven. God wants me utilizing it now here on the earth. It is an empowerment of God for me to be able to accomplish something, not just having my needs met, but for me to be a blessing in the body of Christ and in this world for God. So let's, let's talk about what happened when, when the, our, our um, father Abraham, as we refer to him, because in his lineage, we are now heirs of the same promise he received. So let's go back and look. Was it a spiritual blessing when God gave it to Abraham? Was it spiritual when God gave it to him? He received a spiritual blessing from God, right? But let's see what it did to his life. Go to Genesis 24, 1. What did the spiritual blessing that came on Abraham do for Abraham or to Abraham that, that we can see? It says in verse 1 of chapter 24, Abraham was old and well stricken in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. In all things. So now we have a testimony that the blessing... It was a spiritual blessing when he received it, but it affected things. It affected his things. In the same chapter, verse 35, we have a testimony of someone who served in Abraham's camp. It says in verse 35, The Lord has blessed my master greatly, and he has become great, and he has given him flocks, and herds, and silver, and gold, and men servants, and maid servants, and camels, and donkeys. So this spiritual blessing manifested in a way that affected his wealth, affected his influence, affected his finances. It's not all about finances, but that's part of it. I want the, it said all things. So we would know that his relationships were blessed, right? Amen. We would know that it's, he blessed him in all things. The blessing's going to work in your marriage. And the blessing's going to work to cause restoration in areas of your family. And the blessing is going to work to give you favor on your job. The blessing's going to work to give you favor with your neighbors. And we want to have friendly neighbors, don't we? Amen. Amen? 
We, we want to be able to, you know, at least give a good wave uh, and, and know they're not talking ugly about us when we go out to mow our yard or something, you know. We want to have favor. The blessing affects every area of our life. So in Abraham's life, we see that a spiritual blessing had a natural effect. Genesis 26, 3. This is Abraham's son. Let's see how the, 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 the Abrahamic blessing follows on his lineage because that's who we are. We are his descendants. So what did the blessing do to Abraham's descendants? Genesis 26, 3, God said to Isaac, sojourn in this land and I will be with you and I will bless you. He said, I will bless you uh, and uh, for unto you and unto your seed I will give all these countries and I will perform the oath which I swore unto Abraham your father. And that's the same for us. We are the heirs of the promise that God made to Abraham. God will perform the oath that he swore to Abraham. He will perform it to you. If God lets down now, he hasn't kept his oath to Abraham. If he fails and says, you know that Abrahamic blessing? I'm done with all that. I'm not going to keep it for you, Ron Swagger. I'm not going to keep it for you, Mary. I'm not going to keep it for you. If he, if he did that, then he has nullified the oath he swore to Abraham because he swore to Abraham that he would do this for all of Abraham's seed. Amen? So he says, I will bless you. In this same chapter, verse 12, Isaac sowed in that land. So he stayed where God told him to stay. The, the instruction was sojourn in this land because obedience is our part of the blessing. Obedience is our part. We have a part to play. God's the blesser, but our obedience qualifies us or positions us for the blessing to have its fullness. That's why he said, bring ye all the tithe. Obedience, bring the tithe so that I can pour out the blessing. He said, sojourn in this land. So Isaac stayed and sowed in that land. And because his sowing was an action of obedience, because you told me to stay, I'm going to get busy. You told me to be here, I'm going to start making, I'm going to start making my life because you told me to be here, I'm going to put my seed in the ground. Nobody else was putting their seed in the ground. There was a famine in the land. Like, why would I put my seed in the ground and it's going to dry up and rot in the ground? There's no water to cause my seed to grow. But Isaac said, hey, God told me to stay here. He's, I'm, ob I'm ob obligated to obey. That's my obligation. God's the one obligated to multiply me. So I'm going to obey God. I'm going to stay here and I'm not going to starve. So I'm going to put my seed in the ground. So when it says Isaac sowed, in that land, he sowed in the time of famine. He sowed by faith. He sowed in obedience. And he received in the same year a hundredfold. He received the maximum return on his harvest. A hundredfold return is a maximum return. You know, I heard Charles Capps say different seeds will produce different uh, manifestations. He said, there are certain kinds of crops, and it may have been the soybean crop, that you can't get a hundredfold return on it. It's not going to return it. It's just not going, that seed is not designed for it. 
But he said there are certain seeds. I think he said cotton was a crop that you could get a hundredfold return on that. You could get a maximum return on that. Hallelujah. And so it said that he got a maximum return on his seed. And the Lord blessed him. And the man waxed great. And I've never used that word outside of the Bible. I haven't ever walked up to you and said, I am waxing great today. But in the Message Bible, it says the man got richer and richer by the day until he was very wealthy. Richer and richer by the day. The Amplified says the man became great and gained more and more until he became wealthy and distinguished. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So the blessing, how did, if the blessing affected, this is a spiritual blessing, but it affected the seed he put in the ground, and it affected it to bring a maximum return on it, and it affected it to not only do it once, but it continue working in his life because it says he went forward and grew until he became very great. So the blessing is not a one-time event. It is supposed to be for your lifetime. God wants the blessing to work on your life for the rest of your life. And he wants it to be a continual increasing of your life in every area, in all things, not just finances, in all things. He wants, he wants your, your wisdom to increase. He wants your health to increase. He wants your strength to increase. He wants you to grow stronger spiritually. He wants it to be a continual progression. Glory to God. So we see how the blessing worked for Abraham, how it began to operate for Isaac. Jacob is next in line, Genesis 30. How did the blessing operate for Jacob? We see in chapter 30 and verse 43 that not only did the blessing work for his grandfather and for his father, but it began to work here even though Jacob had left home and is in Laban's house and Laban keeps tricking him and tricking him and deceiving him and stealing from him. It says, the man increased exceedingly and had much cattle and made servants and men servants and camels and donkeys. So when he left home, he left with what he could carry on his back. He left in a hurry because Esau was ready to uh, 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 attack him and kill him because he had stolen the birthright, or he had he'd actually stolen the blessing, but the birthright was... so. The, but the blessing was working for him. He left with nothing, and when he came back, he had two bands of, of people and supply. All of his herds, all of his flocks, they, were, they had to break them into two different sections because there was so much. The blessing did that. Don't blame Jacob. The blessing did that. That was God's idea. It was God's idea because it wasn't Laban's idea. Laban kept tricking him and deceiving him and promised him one wife and gave him Leah. And then, you know, you got to work for me another seven years. And then he's trying to work for, uh, to get some cattle. And every time the, he would keep changing his wages. And he finally said, I'll tell you what, every, every 
goat, every sheep, every cow that, that comes that has any kind of the markings, if it's straked, if it's spotted, if it's streaked, we'll give you those. Evidently, he didn't have many of those because that's, that was a rarity that he got any. Most of his must have been because he wasn't trying to give in. He agreed to that in a way that that couldn't be broken. That couldn't, he couldn't get out of that, right? God blessed Jacob and Jacob put poplar branches. He stripped the poplar branches, put them in front of the watering troughs and those animals were coming and drinking and looking at those poplar branches with the streaks and the the spots on them. And when they were mating, that would be all around where those areas in there in the sheepfold. And they started producing sheep and goats and cows so that there were more spotted and streaked and speckled animals being born until Jacob's or Esau's, not Esau, Laban's sons said, you deceived our father. I didn't deceive your father. I can't help it. The blessing is working for me. The blessing did that. The blessing was causing everything. He said, is that what we read from Deuteronomy 28? I will command the blessing on the work of your hands, on your storehouses and the work of your hands. The commanded blessing was operating on Jacob and it caused it, the, the business deal to turn in his favor. It, ta- it caused the increase to come to him. Hallelujah. Well, what about Joseph? My goodness, he was thrown in a pit. What kind of blessing can operate in the pit? He was put in, into Potiphar's house as a slave. But it says the Lord was with him and he rose up to the top and began to be the overseer over everything in Potiphar's house. And then here comes, you know, Potiphar's wife tells a lie, accuses him falsely, and he's thrown into prison and he's there in the prison and he rises to the top in the prison And he becomes the overseer of everything in the prison. And he goes to bed one night, a prisoner, and he wakes up the next morning and they take him before the the Pharaoh. And that night, he is second in command. Woke up a prisoner, but that night when he laid his head on his pillow, it was not the prison pillow. It was not down in in the prison. He was still in charge, but he had risen all the way to the top. Amen? Because of the blessing. Let's look at Genesis 39.2. Genesis 39.2. The Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian, and his master saw that the Lord was with him. And the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. Do you see that? All that he did prospered in his hand. All that you do prospering is not because of your talent. It's not because of your personality. It's the blessing of the Lord. It says, Joseph found grace in his sight found grace, or we would say favor. Joseph found grace in his sight, and he served him, and he made him overseer over his house, 
and over all he had put into his hand. Verse 5, And it came to pass from the time that he had made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. Why? Because Joseph was in charge. It couldn't, be, it couldn't get worse, could it? That wouldn't be a, a very good demonstration of the blessing of God for Joseph to be in charge. And what is the matter with my finances since I put Joseph in charge? What is the matter with our business since Joseph is in charge? That wouldn't have reflected. That wasn't an expression that gives glory to God. God was willing to bless the Egyptian master just because Joseph was in charge. Because he had made the decision to let Joseph run that Okay, then I'll let the blessing be on your house. I'll let the blessing be on your house because Joseph is, is my blessed one. And then it says this, And the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in his house and in the field. If God will do that because of the blessing on somebody else, how about us who have inherited the blessing personally? It goes on in this story in chapter 39, verse 21. Same chapter, verse 21. But the Lord was with Joseph. This is after he'd been thrown in the prison. And showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison. And whatever they did there, (laughs) whatever they did there, he was the doer of it. The keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand because the Lord was with Joseph and that which he did, the Lord made it to prosper. I'm telling you, this is our covenant. This is not a different covenant. This is not a covenant disconnected from us. This is our covenant. This is the same covenant we inherited in Christ. This same covenant is on our life. And it says it will cause all that we do to prosper. That's why this church thrives and this church flourishes because the blessing of the Lord is upon what we do. The blessing of the Lord is setting us over the top. The blessing of the Lord is giving us favor in this city. Hallelujah. It goes on in the the next chapter, chapter 40, verse 39. Chapter 40, 41. Chapter 41, verse 39. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, Forasmuch as God has showed you all this, he came to him, he interpreted his dream. He said, Because God has shown you all of this, the wisdom, the understanding of what we need to do, there is none so discreet and wise as you. You shall be over my house. And according unto your word, He was a prisoner that morning. He was a prisoner that morning. And now you will be over and the blessing of the Lord will make you the head, not the tail. Above only and never beneath. Hallelujah. You shall be over my house and according to your word, Shall all my people be ruled? Only in the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. 
And Pharaoh took off his ring from his hand and put it upon Joseph's hand and arrayed him in vestures of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. And he made him to ride in the second chariot, which he had. And they cried before him, bow the knee. And he made him ruler over all the land of Egypt. He was a prisoner that morning. I, did, did I tell you he was a prisoner that morning? But the blessing moved him. I said the blessing moved him. He had his heart right. He was, he was obedient and faithful where God put him. What if he had gotten a bad attitude? What if he had said, I'm, I'm done with this. I'm giving up on this dream. I'm giving up on what God showed me. He maintained until that moment when God had that open door to take him from that prison and put him ruler over all. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without you shall no man lift up his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. Have mercy. That's our blessing. That's our blessing. That's the blessing that works in our life. That's the blessing that we're connected to. That's the blessing that we're connected to. That's the abundant supply that God has chosen for our life. And not just, I'm not talking about things. If all you hear is things, you're missing the impact of what I'm trying to say. I'm talking about your life. I'm talking about your life. The blessing is a protection. The blessing is a provision for relationships. It is a, 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 a guidance system helping you in every decision. The blessing of the Lord maketh rich and adds no sorrow. It's not just about money, but we can't leave money out of it. It's not just about things, but God didn't leave things out of it. Amen? So when we look at the blessing, we've got to look through the Word of God, through the eyes of God in His Word, to be able to see the intent and the purpose for what the blessing is intended to do. Let's go over to 2 Corinthians, and, and we'll, we'll find a place to jump off here. I have not exhausted what I feel. I have not covered what I feel like God has in its entirety, but it's a good thing I get to pastor here because I'll come back and finish. <laughs> I don't have to cover it all in one. Sometimes we've got to have it line upon line and precept upon precept here a little and there a little so that it soaks in. Second Corinthians chapter 8. Hallelujah. Second Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. In chapter, in the same chapter of verse 7, he said, I want you to abound in this grace. And now he's about to describe this grace. So this is a grace, an empowerment, that he wants us to abound in. He said, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you, through his poverty, might be rich. Hallelujah. 
He called this a grace. He called this the grace of our Lord. You know the grace of our Lord. He's talking about salvation. Because this is the same format that is used when he talks about by his stripes you were healed. He was wounded, Isaiah 53, for for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement needed to obtain our nothing missing broken was laid upon him. Nothing missing, nothing broken was laid upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. He became sin who knew no sin that we might become the right, we would be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He was cursed because cursed is everyone who hangs upon the tree so that we would be dead to sin. Amen? Amen. He redeemed us from the curse so that the blessing of Abraham might come upon us. So you see, we're talking about salvation. This is in the same format. So when Jesus provided the payment to cleanse our sins and make us new. He also provided the payment for the healing of our body. And He also provided the payment for our freedom from poverty. Poverty and sickness are partners. I've never said that before. I'm going to write that down when I get done with this. Poverty and sickness are partners. They are partners. And Jesus redeemed us from both of them. Sin, poverty, and sickness. He paid for it all in the redemption package. When Jesus shed His blood, when the stripes were laid upon Him, when that crown of thorns was was placed upon His head and the thorns represent a curse, He shed blood with the thorns in his brow. They didn't just set nicely and kindly a crown of thorns. They they pushed it down upon his head until those long three-inch thorns dug into his scalp and the blood shed, the blood was shed to redeem us from the curse. The stripes were laid upon his back. He became poor so that we would be made rich. He became sin so that we would be made righteous. He was cursed so that we would be blessed. He was striped with those wounds upon His back so that we would be healed. All of that is a complete package. God didn't just save us and then separate a provision over in another part of of the kingdom for these separate things. He made it all one, free. Free in redemption. When the word for redemption in Galatians, can I, can I share this with you? The word for redemption in, in Galatians 3.13 when it says Christ has redeemed us. Christ has redeemed us. It is a word that identifies the slave block, an auction block specifically used for the slave market. The, I think it's the agorizo. There are, there are like three, three different forms of words used for redemption in the New Testament. 
and you put them all together to get the picture of this full redemption. This word is talking about a price, the highest price that was paid to buy us free from the slavery of sin and poverty and sickness. So it says there was a purchase price necessary to provide this for us. He redeemed us. He redeemed us from the curse of the law. He redeemed us. So in salvation, this is where the grace, we know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're talking about the, the supply, the empowerment of the blessing that He brought to us in redemption. He became poor so that through His poverty, we're free from poverty. So through His poverty, we would be rich. Glory to God. Glory to God. Now, 2 Corinthians 9 was still part of this same conversation. We have separated this letter for the purpose of study and for the purpose of being able to, to uh, uh, teach. This book, this letter, has been separated into chapters and separated into verses but in the original writing, he is in one conversation. And he's talking about this grace in chapter 8. And it's, this, this, it's a financial grace that he's talking about because he's talking throughout this about a gift that they were going to give to a church that was in need. And he was encouraging them and, and telling them not to fall short that what they had chosen and decided to do from the beginning to stir themselves up, to maintain that pledge, to keep that because uh, it was something that in chapter 9 he goes through and tells them this is going to produce in your life a bounty. And so he says in verse, uh, let's begin in verse 8, he says God is able to make all grace did we find out in the previous verse, which is still the same, or the previous chapter, still the same conversation, this grace is a financial grace. He said, I want you to abound in this grace. It's the same grace that Jesus brought his wealth to us by becoming poverty for us. And he says, God is able to make all grace abound toward you. He's able to make it abound toward you. The voice translation says God is ready to overwhelm you with more blessings than you could ever imagine. The Weiss translation says God is powerful to make every grace super abound to you in order that having always an all-sufficiency in all things, you may super abound to every good work. So you see, this is the blessing. Because for you to abound to every good work makes you a blessing. Right? So this grace that he's talking about is the blessing. God is able to make all grace abound toward you that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, you may abound to every good work. Every good work. 
You say, you know what? I've got seed in the Ezra project. I've got seed in the Word Supply project. I've got seed in that. Oh, we need drums. I'm going to pay for some new drums, too. I got that right here. Why? Because I'm blessed to be a blessing. Amen? And so he says here that it is able to abound toward you. Abound toward you. And then he pulls a scripture. The Apostle Paul, by the Holy Spirit, pulls a scripture referring from Isaiah 55, as it is written, or this one is from uh, Psalm 112. He has dispersed abroad. He's given to the poor. His righteousness remains forever. That's the description of the righteous man or woman. Verse 10 is from Isaiah 55. He that ministers seed to the sower, both ministers bread for your food and multiplies your seed sown and increases the fruits of your righteousness. So this grace abounding to you is because you're participating in the seed, in the sowing, in the being of a blessing, and it's causing it to abound toward you in a greater measure. And he is referring to two different verses, Psalm 112 and Isaiah 55, that refers to the fact that God is going to, uh, uh, that this sowing is going to produce in your life. Verse 11, being enriched in everything to all bountifulness which causes through us thanksgiving to God. Enriched in everything. Enriched in everything. Hallelujah. The voice translation says of verse 11, you will be made rich in everything so that your generosity will spill over in every direction. Through us, your generosity is at work inspiring praise and thanksgiving to God. Hallelujah. Pastor Nancy Dufresne said that when her accountant called her on that Monday morning and said, Pastor Nancy, we just received an overnight package for $100,000. And she said, well, call Call the staff together and tell them we're going to have a meeting, but don't tell them until we get in the meeting. And so they came together in that meeting, and she said, I, I let my uh, financial uh, lady give the news because she had been the one who had to give the news the previous payroll and tell them that there wasn't any money to cover their payroll. And so she said when she came in and she said they were all sitting around the the, you know, the big meeting room desk and, and everybody was not sure what this was going to be said. You know, the, the leader of their, uh, their, their ministry has just gone to be with the Lord and, and they don't know if everybody's going to get laid off or what. And so when uh, that sister stood up and she said, somebody overnighted this ministry $100,000, there was great rejoicing in that room. They abounded with thanksgiving. They were crying and laughing and rejoicing because of what it meant to their ministry. When it says, being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causes through us thanksgiving to God. God's getting the glory of how he's blessed us. 
and we're able to be a blessing. As this becomes our motives, the Lord spoke this to me about a month and a half ago, two months maybe. He said, kingdom motives produce kingdom strategies and kingdom strategies put in place by faith flows will produce profiting. And he told me to go back and look at my motive to ensure that the reason I'm doing it, you can be doing something and get over into just a habit of doing it, but you, you can go back and you say, I'm doing this because the Lord told me to. I, and, and that one little switch, instead of this is just what we do or this is just what I've been doing, no, I, now I know why I'm doing it. I was in our, our service last night. We have a service on Saturday night for our, our Hispanic-speaking portion of our church family. And I was there, and, and uh, the worship was going on, and I wasn't leading worship that day. There were uh, other people singing, and I let them uh, uh, sing. And so I was just worshiping the Lord, and I just recognized the importance of why we have that Hispanic congregation, of why God has called us here to minister to them. And I just recognized, and I checked my motive. You know, there are a lot of hats that I've been wearing lately. And I had to recognize, this hat needs to have more importance in my life. And I, I just committed to the Lord, Lord, I'm going, I, I, I bring the right motive to what I'm doing here. I bring the right motive to what you've called me to do in ministering the word of faith in Spanish to this group of people. And I commit to pastor them with everything in me and to give my very best to what they need to feed them and to feed their families. Hallelujah. The motive. The motive has to be beyond a temporal need or even a, a natural, a, a desire for something. It has to be, Lord, I want to be a blessing. I want to be somebody that you can call on to help. I remember Brother Copeland. He said that he was in a service, a full gospel businessman's service, and the Lord dealt with him to give his airplane to a minister. And he said, I looked around at all these businessmen. And I said, Lord, there are a handful of people in this room that could give him an airplane and not even miss it. And the Lord said, I know, and I've asked them, and they won't respond. But I know you'll do what I ask of you. Will you give him your airplane? And he went home, redid all of the engines, uh, did an overhaul on all of the, the mechanics of it and sowed his best. Hallelujah. But I thought, I don't want to be in that number of people God asked and didn't respond. I don't want to be in that number. I don't want to be that the Lord, that the Lord prompted me. There was, there was one time Brother Jerry Savelle said, he was on his way out of town and the Lord dealt with him 
to take a check and give it to, to another minister, Jonay. He said, okay, Lord, I'll do that. I'll stop at my next town. I'll, I'll, I'll do it when I get back. I'll stop. And he said, for a, like a day and a half, maybe two days, the Lord kept prompting him, I need you to take that check over and give this certain amount of money to this minister. I want you to sow this to him. And he said, okay, Lord. He was busy. He was given all these reasons why well, I got to go here and I got to do this and I'll do it when I get to the next town. And, and the Lord finally said, uh, if you're going to be this slow about responding to me, that's how it's going to come back to you. And he thought, I, when I ask and when I need it, I don't want it to be slow coming back to me. He said, I learned to be prompt, a prompt to do it giver. A prompt to do it, give her. Why? Because I want to be a blessing. I, I want to be someone that God says, I can call on Michelle and she'll answer me. She'll do what I ask and I won't have to deal with her for two weeks. Have mercy. Have mercy. Thank you, Lord. If we will commit to God's purpose, He'll help us grow in the working of it. If we'll submit our motive to God and say, Lord, help me to have the right perception and the right motive and the right purpose, because I know you're a blesser. And I know that your purpose in the blessing, you will give me power to get wealth. Lord, your purpose in the blessing, I want it to be my purpose for being blessed. There's safety in that prayer. There's safety in that request. Because if your purpose lines up with his, You won't be deceived. You won't be in love with money, which is the root of all evil. Money's not the root of all evil, but the love of money is. But if you love God and you have His purpose as your motive, you're safe. You're safe. Father, this evening, we submit our hearts to You. If that's You, just lift your hand right now where You are and say, Father... I submit my heart to you. I want your motive. I want your purpose. I want to perceive the blessing from your word with your intent. Thank you, Lord. Now just thank him for blessing you. Oh, Father, we worship you. Lord, you have placed such an emphasis on the blessing. Lord, we bring our emphasis to it. That you may establish your covenant. That we are blessed to be a blessing. 
let that be our heart intent. We thank you for it, Lord.